Welcome everyone to the Sonoma Spiel. My name is Tim with the Sonoma Valley Visitors Bureau. It's around the holidays here when we're recording this and the lights are all lit around the plaza. All these big events are happening. What I've noticed though with the holidays, your life kind of telescopes because like everything kind of like smashes together and you have this panic as like either Christmas is coming up or Hanukkah or the New Year's and there's so much busyness happening. Uh, But what I really like is slowing down and taking time to just be prepared and be present in the moment and let everything relax. And that's why today I have a very special guest. And I know every week I say we have a very special guest, but this time I actually, actually mean it. I'm so happy when she said she would love to come to be on the podcast. I have Amelia Seha from Seha Vineyards. Amelia, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. Well, and thank you also for one, not deleting my email when I begged you to come on the podcast and <laughs> two for responding. Um, Amelia, you just you just told me you just drove in, uh, you were watching some grandkids, uh, and then you came rushing here. Do you feel right now around the Christmas time that like life is just crazy? Do you get that? Um, yes, it is. A, it's a bit more hectic, but at the same time, there is so much excitement. Yeah. And uh, being around family and friends at this time of the year, it is so also very, very special. It's a, it's a good point. Right. And it kind of like you get that hecticness, but then when you spend mm-hmm. time with people, yes. you, you feel a lot better and, and you go there. And so, OK, good. Thank you for readjusting my my attitude. <laughs> I appreciate that. Amelia, tell me, what what is Seha Vineyards for people who don't know and where is it located? Give, give me the story. Yes. Well, Seha Vineyards is a family-owned, a Latino family-owned wine production company here okay. in Sonoma, located right on Highway 12. Okay. And uh, we, it was founded by my husband, Pedro, his brother, Armando, uh, his wife, Marta, and myself. Okay. And um, we make uh, limited produced wines all from our estate-grown grapes. And okay. uh, we're making really lovely wines that are not just great by, them, by themselves, but they're really good with food. Oh, good. Okay. So very, like, perfect for spending time with people you like, eating and doing the meals and, and having some of your wines. Um, Amelia, you, hold on. You, four of you started a winery. Had you been in the wine business before, or were you just like, we're going to try a winery, why not? Tell me the story of that. Well, uh, this goes back to our journey from Mexico. Okay. Uh, we're immigrants. We, uh, in the late 60s, after the immigration reform of 1965, um, men who were already working here from Mexico, uh, it became very easy for them to bring their families here um, with a a residency card. And so in 1967, my father, who had been living in, in this area for many decades, decided to bring Uh, my mother, my sister, and myself. And it happened that also my husband and my brother-in-law's dad, uh, Pablo, also felt the same way. And and so he brought his family as well in 1967. So your dad came up here to work, uh, and you were still in Mexico. Correct. And then in in the mid-60s, they were able to bring you up here. Uh, was your dad working in the North Bay of, of San Francisco Bay Area? Yes. Okay. Uh, he had 
come up here in the late 50s and he fell madly in love with this area <laughs> and he said if I ever bring my family to the US mm -hmm. El Norte because si. in Mexico we call the US El Norte okay. to the north Okay. Um, it will be to this area so oh, I'm very fortunate because you know it could have been Fresno I mean nothing against Fresno <laughs> no <that's, laughs> I had somebody on here before who was from Visalia and he said you know Visalia is a lovely place it's a very and I know, never want to talk poorly and I always the Central Valley of California is it feeds the nation it does it's a lovely place but in the winter it can get a little bleak with the fog and in the summer it can get quite warm so we don't have that same issue here in in the North Bay right we have the heat but it cools off at night and it never gets super cold and foggy in the winter and, uh, Specifically, yeah. like in Carneros, which is um, Sub ABA, American Very Cultural Area, mm -hmm. that straddles in the southernmost part of Napa and Sonoma. And we have the maritime influence. I love it in the summer right. when we have guests um, from across the country and they say they, they come dressed in summer clothes. <laughs> and of course, it's foggy like San Francisco. Right. Uh, it's, it's lovely. It's the ideal location to grow uh, the cooler, ripening varietals like Chardonnay and Pinot, and Pinot Noir. Noir. Well, I hope that you are able to sell them a Seha Vineyards shirt or a sweater in the in the tasting room. So you go, oh, you're, look, you're kind of cold right now. So, you know, take, <laughs> take one of these vests home with you. Um, real quick, Amelia, so your, your father worked in agriculture. You moved up here. What part of Mexico were you born in? I was born in a little village called Las Flores okay. in northern Jalisco. Oh. So the capital of Jalisco is Guadalajara, right. and then Puerto Vallarta is also in Jalisco. And in that region, in the northern part, is it not? I th well, I think it's so. central. It's, it's actually on the west coast, central okay. west coast of Mexico. Okay. And my my husband and his brother Armando are from a state just south of Jalisco called Michoacán, oh, which okay. is also on the Pacific coast. Got it. And there's a a fair amount of people I know in the North Bay from Michoacan and from Jalisco, I, I think, here. We do have, down the street, one of my favorite dishes from Jalisco is the, the torta ahogada. Oh, the torta ahogada. I love that mm. thing. It is so good. Not a lot of places serve it in the restaurants. I don't know why. I got it when I was in Guadalajara. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a sandwich and it's like drowned in this hot sauce. It's yes, so delicious. That's, it is. That's good stuff. But you're, So you're, part, you're from a part of Mexico that has fantastic food. Uh, and my understanding, it's the birthplace of mariachi music. Correct. I mean, maybe people from Jalisco say that. Maybe people from Michoacan disagree or whatever, but I'm sure that's, you know, a discussion. Um, you came up here to the North Bay, uh, and then you guys decided when you were old enough, you were going to buy a winery and start a winery. When you, How old were you when you guys did this? Well, we it actually... Um, when we first came here, it was during harvest, and uh, my father, my father was a vineyard manager, okay. and it was uh, I actually crossed the border with uh, my residency card on mm -hmm. now a bittersweet day, September 11, mm -hmm. 1967, oh, wow. as a very young girl, mm -hmm. um, and we arrived in the North Bay mm -hmm. much about 8 p.m. that same day because we crossed the border in Calexico. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. It was harvest time, and uh, my father had enrolled me in uh, junior high. But the very first weekend, he said, Mija, which means my little daughter, do you want to go and see what I do? And I was just so excited to be up here, and I said, yes, of course. 
And what happened was that um, my husband's family had arrived like a couple of weeks before. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they were living in a barn mm-hmm. because it's it's a very large family. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, they were desperately seeking for a job. Mm-hmm. And our fathers knew each other because they okay. were migrant. They, they had met while they were migrant farm workers working up and down the West Coast, picking different agricultural products. Right. So um, my father-in-law now called my dad and said, amigo, I just uh, brought my family here and we need a job. So my dad said, hey, why don't you bring your children this weekend? Uh I just brought my family too and my daughter's going to come and I'm going to show her how to harvest grapes. Mm -hmm. So in (laughs) September 1967, I I was not only introduced to grape growing, but but I was also introduced to my future partners, um, Armando and Pedro, Uh as we were picking grapes and um i i i don't i didn't remember but um years later my dad said that i said um and i didn't speak english at all i had just arrived here Uh, but i had told him uh papa i am going to have a a vineyard of my own someday oh fantastic and he said of course you will and armando and pedro and the entire Sarah family mm-hmm. felt the same way. So fast forward after college, right. um, Pedro and I were married in 1980. Okay. And the, since we were married and we were living in Silicon Valley because of oh. our jobs. Okay. Um, but we would travel to visit our families oh. here in the North Bay almost every weekend. And we were started looking for land. Okay. And people thought we were crazy because we didn't have any money. <laughs> and we were very young. So in in 1983, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, both Pedro and I had two, uh, well, a two-year-old and a couple of weeks old okay. children. And we uh, bought our first property in Carneros, which is the perfect location uh, if you're traveling to either Sonoma or Napa. Right because there in it's the middle. so easy. Yes. I just want to know, though, how did you... Uh, you were living in the South Bay, and and you had gotten a job. Probably, the, the, I grew up down there in the industry. A lot of it, tech was the big industry, or defense, or or something like that. Uh, but you longed to go back into agriculture. That's fantastic. Correct. And, and so, and so you you come up here, and this is. Uh, it sounds like, you know, you were young. You didn't really have a family yet, per se, a big big family. You found this plot of land. Yes. Did you have to beg, borrow, and steal from family and friends and and whatever? Did like how did you scrape up the money? To, I mean, land was a little cheaper back then, but it was still expensive for a young couple. Well, and also inflation was very high, and oh, interest right. rates yeah. in the early eighties were in the teens. Mm. So what we did is that we pulled our resources mm. uh, together amongst. Um, my parents-in-laws, uh, my brother-in-law, Armando, who at the time was actually a very poor student at UC Davis, okay. studying okay. enology. Oh, great. So that's a fantastic program. Exactly. Right. Okay, good. So, yes, our wives are not accidental. Right. I mean, we really do know what we're doing, both right. uh, viriculturally and enologically. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, well, so, I mean, it runs in your family. So, I mean, to say it's accidental, yeah. you've got generations deep already. But that's how we were able to um, sell a couple of homes, but then the were co-owned by mm-hmm. uh, different members of the family and they were That's sold. Great. So we had like a really nice down payment. Good. But then mm. um, 
we didn't have a business plan because none of us studied business. Like Armando was studying in knowledge and agriculture. Right, right. I studied history and literature oh, at UC uh, San Diego. Oh, okay. Good yes. for you. Go, uh, what are uh, the Aztecs at San Diego State? No, UC that's San, San Diego, Diego State. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm about to look it up. Yeah, I have to look but, it up too because. Right. I, but and and Pedro started engineering. So amongst the three of us, none of us had a business degree. Right. And and Tim, if we had had a business plan, we would have never done it because it didn't make business sense. Right. So fortunate ignorance sometimes works out, and in our case, it really worked out because the interest rate uh, for. It was almost like half a million dollars for the first 15 right. acres, and there was there were no grapes. There were cows roaming that property. So you bought a property, 15 acres. 15 acres. With probably 15% interest or whatever the time oh, was. Oh, I think it was 15.9. Oh, my God. And, and it was adjustable because it was a jumbo loan. Oh, no. You know what, yes. what they call a jumbo loan? Yes. Uh, so... It were did you, not make But were you so young you didn't know what you were getting into? No. Was that, oh, okay. We just knew we just knew in our instinct yeah. that we wanted to own land okay. in this area. Right. And that we wanted to um, develop it and okay. grow uh, vines to okay. make our own wine. So and, you had to get the we cows were, off the land. You it, told the cows to go away. <laughs> they were they belonged to the to the then property owner. Okay. So and actually no, they were Someone else was leasing the property for the cows to to roam and oh, right, eat the right, grass. Right. Um, but then we were finally. So this was in 1983. We were able to develop it in 1986. Mm-hmm. Our first harvest was in 1988, and uh, the rest is history. Because once you are able to sleep at night, even if you owe a lot of money, right. Then you see another opportunity. Like then, like in '89. Uh, five acres came up for sale right next to those oh. original 15 acres. Okay. And because we had developed um, it into a vineyard, mm-hmm. so the five acres were worth the same amount as our 15 acres that we had purchased in 1983. Oh, right. The course. value went yep. uh, pretty high. So we we purchased those five acres. Right. Um, so now the whole plot is twenty acres. Okay. And then in the early nineties, uh, we kept acquiring more pieces of property. Like um, we own twenty acres, actually very close to here on Liberoni. Oh yeah. On the corner of Liberoni and Arnold Drive, we have twenty acres okay. there. Okay. Okay. Which are planted to Chardonnay because okay. it's ideal right. for. Right. For the then here. then on Dale Avenue off Highway Twelve. Mm-hmm. Then in the mid nineties. Uh, we purchased our largest uh, property, which 65 acres, oh. at the then unknown Petaluma Gap, oh, which is now which is a now new AVA, and you've got and you've brought some here from Petaluma Gap. And I okay, so this is what I love. You started with 15 acres, no grapes, no grapes. None, have, oh. none of the properties had any grapes. You, we developed all of them. Okay, no grapes. You had a literature degree and a dream. And you, and and you now have it sounds like I didn't do the quick addition uh, there because I also have a literature degree so it sounds like you have like thirty to fifty you probably have more acres than that now we have a hundred and fifteen acres oh really and and then uh, others that we lease right. okay. that were also developed so we have access to some of the choices uh, grapes 
consistently grown grapes right. in Sonoma and Napa. That's fantastic. Yeah, so all of our wines are state. That okay. means we grow the grapes, we make the wine. Right, so you're not buying grapes from other people. No. And you're only in the wine growing and making business. You're not also like doing other people's vineyards or other people's wineries. Well, not uh-huh. us. Okay. But uh, my brother-in-law, who is also our partner, partner Armando, mm-hmm. he actually manages our vineyards. Okay. He has a vineyard management company and he does manage other people's vineyards That's as well. Okay. Which, yes. What's the name of his company? Um, or, uh, it's called Vineyard Management. Okay. Because we yes. can promote it if you want me to. It's okay. <laughs> I can, if someone has a big vineyard, they should call you and they can, you know, and you'll connect yes. them with your, with your brother. But, but right. we actually um, sell most of our grapes to other producers. Okay. Okay. Because if we were to use all of the grapes that we grow in, let's say roughly around 150 acres, mm-hmm. um, we would make what? Around over 50,000 cases. Oh, that's a lot more wine. Yeah, it's a lot right. more wine. And we are, we want to make sure that we, quality is maintained, that everything is, okay. um, that we don't use like big tanks. Everything right. is it's no mechanical okay. anything. So it's a lot more hands-on. Well, hands-on, yes. Like that. Well, I think you brought some, too. Should, yes. should we talk about these wines? And while, and while you open it, we can talk about um, the experience. Because people can come visit your tasting room. Yes. I mean, Our tasting room is uh, located at 22989 on uh, Burndale, okay. which is right on the corner of Highway 12 mm-hmm. in Burndale. Right. And you're right there between Napa and Sonoma. Like you Napa are, and Sonoma. And you mentioned the Carneros region. Region, yes. which in Spanish means the rams. People always ask us, what does that mean? It's a type of a ram or a male sheep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the region that's shared between Napa and Sonoma, and it tends to be sloping out towards the bay, a little flatter, the hills in the back. Uh, a lot of hay fields are there, cows. Yes. Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, yes. and Seha Tasting Room. Yes. <laughs> Most <laughs> importantly, yes. So, yes, we encourage and we invite everyone to come and taste our fabulous uh, handcrafted wines okay. because we literally... Um, well, take uh, the make the wine from the root, you know, the rootstock all the way into the bottle. Okay. There's, uh, it's all done within our family. Okay. And I think having that control, it's incredibly uh, reflected in the wine itself. Right. You have a lot more hands-on quality ability yes. rather than buying juice from somebody exactly. or shipping it someplace else to be produced or something like that. Well, tell me about the wines that you have yes. and, and the experience. So, Tim, I specifically selected two wines that are from areas um, pretty close uh, to here, to Sonoma. And I'm, well, I love wine, period. <laughs> but one of my favorite varietals mm-hmm. is Pinot Noir. Okay. And we grow it in uh, two different, two Three different sites. Okay. And so we make um, very small lots. This in particular is um, from our Sonoma coast. But from this point on, all of the labels, because it's technically Petaluma Gap. Right. But as you know, it's a sub-ABA that was separated from uh, the Sonoma coast, which is a very, very, very large. It was the Sonoma coast. My understanding, it was like a fish hook. It came down along the bay, San Pablo Bay up towards the coast itself. So it was a very large, unwieldy area 
the Petaluma Gap makes more sense. The gap refers to a space in between the hills where the wind comes over the ocean yes. and cools off the Carneros region. So, yes. Good. And, and um, it's a field blend of two clones, Dijon and Pomard, mm -hmm. and it's fermented in small five-ton open-top fermenters. Okay. We do very gentle punch down of the cap because we don't want to extract any unwanted anything from a very delicate grape. Got it. Just its essence and its beauty, its ethereal beauty. Okay. And, and also, Pinot Noir pairs well with everything. Absolutely. That I love to eat. Oh, it's great. Christmas, Thanksgiving, oh. New Year's, and a lot of All dishes. It, it, it's it's a very good, it doesn't overpower yeah. a lot of food, no. you know, and and so it's a good one. All right, well, let's, should we? Should well, we? Uh, I think we should do it. We'll get the right. sound opening there when you do that. Absolutely. You know, I'll I'll do a, a play by play yeah. that. Uh, and I brought. Oh, so say high glasses. Perfect. Riddle because I, uh, this I like large bowls. Right. That way you can properly swirl uh, the wine good, and good. also really detect all the beauty and the aromas. Right. That's very so, good. So I am very excited about this wine because it's it's such a lovely, lovely, lovely right. uh, Pinot Noir. And Pinot Noir, more than any other varietal, is very site specific, mm. meaning it really reflective of its birthplace, the vineyards. Mm. The, what the French call terroir, which mm -hmm. is not just the soil, but ev the whole equation that encompasses like the lack of water, availability mm -hmm. of water, the, even the way the sun hits that specific site, right. the wind direction. Right. I mean, all of those really impact um, how the wine is going to taste. For example, like we make one from our Carneros Vineyard in uh, Napa, mm -hmm. our, the very first property that we purchase and even though shares the same parents as this that is from the Petaluma Gap Sonoma right. Cruz literally it's like so different interesting it's just so here we go there we go oh you got it perfect sound yes <laughs> and um it's very important that you should only see color on the surface that is in contact with the wine. Okay, the, the, on the cork you're talking about. Yes, here. on the okay. cork. And we use um, corks from Portugal, okay. uh, sustainably grown. Well, the it's family has been in the cork industry for a few centuries. <laughs> so, um, so they're finally catching they're, on. <laughs> but it's it's very important, and they need to be really dense because mm -hmm. you do want oxygen to be exchanged, you know, for a pop, for a proper aging, right. but not very slowly over a long period what, of time. What happens if it's too much oxygen, what happens to the wine? Uh, well, the wine actually um, changes changes faster. Okay. And what softens the tannins in wine is really the exposure over a long, slowly over a long period of time to oxygen. Okay. And what makes it smooth and silky. And this is just divine. It's just perfect. All right, well, let's try it out but there. Let's, and I, the I, I hope you can hear the pork. I just want to make sure that is perfect. Good, I love that. You're giving a little swirl there. Oh yes. Here, sniff. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can detect it. Right. I mean, right away if there are any off aromas or. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is just absolutely divine. So this right here is our 2021 okay. uh, Sonoma Coast Petaluma Gap uh, Serra Vineyards Pinot Noir and I'm biased it's one of my favorites <laughs> well I'm glad that you're biased and that you like it there here I'll here reach over here thank yes. you and well salud salud Give us a let's swirl here and, and sniff oh, it oh it's it's 
I love the way Armando describes our Pinot Noir. I'm going to show it to the camera for the color there because it is it is yes. good color. It is. Yeah. There, it's um, as I mentioned earlier. Even though it shares the same uh, DNA as our Carneros Pinot Noir, mm -hmm. it is. Um, this one is just like pretty right away. You don't have to like peel layers, you know, like an onion. <laughs> and the one in Carneros, mm -hmm. um, it. It, you really have to um, sort of dig a little bit deeper to really detect all of its beauty, while this is like on your face beautiful. Just right there. Right, yeah. Let's try a little, a little sip here. Oh, it's just so pretty. <laughs> oh, it is. And then, you know, that is, you're right about, so I was going to ask about tannins. Tannins are like that, that puckery thing in your mouth and stuff. This is very smooth. It's like silky. Silky. It's right there. Oh, wow. Yeah, bright and fresh. Oh, yeah. And, well, think, oh, I, I'm already thinking about food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what, so, if, so if, do you like to cook, Amelia? Is oh, I a, love to cook. Okay. Like, for example, this weekend we're hosting our... Um, a wine club a pickup party. Oh, right, okay. And and in December, we always do pozole. Pozole oh. and Pinot Noir. Oh, that's a great. So well, and what is pozole for people? Pozole is it's like a very hearty soup mm -hmm. that has hominy, mm -hmm. and its roots are indigenous, okay. uh, pre-Hispanic. Okay. And you can make it with different proteins or vegetarian. Right. I love it with chicken, and I love it. You can make it either red or green, okay. but I love it red, like okay. in Jalisco, although I make it green as well. <laughs> but pozole and pinot noir, and of course, it has the smo smoky peppers, the pozole mm -hmm. does. And this, I mean, because it has really bright, fresh acid. It, mm. And it's um, like if you like the more you swirl, you start detecting other aromatic, you know, aromatic notes. That right. So it's not just fruit. There's like a tea component that is quite lovely. Yeah, you got a lot of different. <clears throat> what's weird about wine, and this is when people go mm. way into the wine, you know, sometimes they call them the cork dorks, but they get way into it. Is that? There, there is a wine flavor, but the flavor is made of other flavors. And oftentimes people who are visitors and new to wine country are like, does it really have blackberry in it? And I'm saying, well, no, blackberry is a description of the taste that's shared between, right? The, the wine has that kind of essence taste to it. Um, and so it's, it's Pinot's kind of fun because it is, it is a subtle, you got to like play with it a little bit, but you can have all these different flavors come out of it. Yes. And, uh, it, it's not on, it's not a big boy with steroid, high alcoholic fruit bump. Right. It's just this very subtle, um, and, and, and the reason, there is a reason, there is actually, um, biological reason because it has much thinner skin than most other red grapes, Vitis vinifera okay. grapes. So, and this, the color in wine comes from the skin, mm. the uh, contact with the skin because okay. of the juice of uh, both green grapes and red grapes, it's white if you oh. squeeze it. Okay. But it's the, the color is from the skin and uh, allowing, like you see, it's not so deep, deep, deep like right. a Cabernet. You can see it's through just, this. There's light coming through it. through it. Yeah, which is exactly what Pinot Noir is supposed to be. Okay. Not this um, want to be something else. <laughs> right. uh, but it's just ethereal. It's just <laughs> this very beautiful wine. Amelia, what do you call a big boy 
uh, high alcohol fruit bomb? Is that what you call it? It's boy with steroids, high alcoholic fruit bomb. <laughs> well, this is not what That's that not is. what this is. This is the opposite. This is yeah. the ballet dancer yes. on the stage with the perfect lighting. Mm. Um, and, I, and I love this. Now, if people come to the tasting room, can they taste the Pinot Noir there? Oh, yes. And um, every month mm. we change uh, the lineup of our mm. tasting menu, which is really great because we have uh, vineyards in different uh, AVAs, American cultural areas right. in Sonoma and Napa. So we are we can actually produce um, okay. uh, quite a few varietals. Besides Pinot Noir, other reds that we make, of course, is Cabernet, but our vineyard is that, that vineyard is in Napa. Okay, right, right off the Silverado Trail. Further up uh, is, in the hot region. Very, very near Stag's Leap. Literally okay. a stone through from the Stag's okay. Leap. Okay. ABA, which is the ideal location for Cabernet. Supposedly, yeah, it's, it's like some of the top Cabernet in the country. In the country. Comes from the Stag's Leap. Comes from Leap that, area. yes. Or maybe even the world. I mean, I don't want the French to yell at me, you know, for French people. Don't send me letters uh, but yeah so depending on where your vineyard is located will often dictate the type of grapes you can grow there and therefore what type of wines you can make exactly like there we would not grow Pinot Noir um, it's a little bit too well it's a little bit warmer mm-hmm. than where we are in Carneros and and vice versa I do not want, we do not want to grow Cabernet in Carneros mm. because it's a later ripening varietal. It has a thicker skin as well. And then with the f- fog that doesn't burn off during the summer, oh, right. during vigorous growth until like one o'clock, mm. well, it, you only have a very small window uh, for the uh, grapes to ripen. And then you end up with more vegetative characteristics in Cabernet oh, okay. than, than the beautiful fruit that if you have enough uh, degree days, Mm-hmm. sunlight, you know, and a little bit warmer uh, temperature like you do north of the of the Carneros oh, okay. ABA. Okay, so yeah. that's what's the bigger yeah. bigger reds or ones that need a little more hang time or a little more sun, I should say, and heat yes. north northern part. And that's true for both the Sonoma and the Napa Valleys. Yes. They are neighbors. They are similarly set up. They kind of run roughly north to south. So the southern region, which is where the Carneros is, uh, and it's closer to the ocean, is cooler. As you head up, um, it gets warmer. Yes. And then oftentimes in elevation, if you go up in the hills, it gets very, quite warm. I mean, it, it could be 95 degrees up there in the hill, and then you could go down to the, to the Carneros, and it could be like 70, <laughs> you know? A 20-degree <clears throat> difference, easily. Yeah. Um, because just from Calistoga to where I live, which is only 30 miles mm-hmm. distance, I can speak with my friend, and I'm, it's, it's really perfect 75, <laughs> and they're over there in, you know, 95. Oh, no, it's hot. I mean, so over in Sonoma County, uh, Cloverdale, it's always so hot up there. Calistoga over the hill. Over yeah, the it's hill, so yeah. hot. And in Carneros, you just open the window. Yeah. The cold air comes right in. They're up there blowing their air conditioners like crazy. And you say, open the window. And they're like, no, it's 105 degrees out here. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it is a big difference. And, and um, more than any other beverage, uh, and, you, and grapes are an agricultural right. product, product. They, there's of, on the entire planet, Surface, there's only a very, very tiny percentage that has a Mediterranean climate. Okay. I think it's under 3%. Right. And uh, both Sonoma and Napa. They've got have, the spot. Yes. Yeah, we're very lucky. We're here. very, we're very fortunate. The right latitude, the right yeah. geography, yeah. and it kind of works out. Well, I, I feel very strongly that we can grow pretty much every varietal that takes. Um, Italy, mm-hmm. uh, France, and Spain to grow, but we can do it in all of these little tiny AVAs consistently better than 
in the in those countries. Don't, don't tell the Italians and the Greeks and the French and the yeah. Don't tell them. Shh, they'll come here. Well, or maybe they should come here and, and find out for themselves. Well, there are already many investments, you know, from <laughs> from those countries here right. in the North Bay. Right. Because I, it's it's a great location. Right. Uh, the ideal location to grow grapes. I mean, if I were a grape, mm-hmm. well, this area is Eden. It is. I would want to be here. <laughs> you would have like, hey, God, put me in Napa and Sonoma. That's where I want to go. Yes. Tell me, Amelia, you you you're a family business, right? Yes. You've got you like you mentioned, your husband's part of it. Uh, you got brothers-in-law and things, but do you also have like another generation that's involved in the business as well? Yes, we have the next gen, um, highly educated that was raised uh, playing in the mud, uh, helping uh, picking up the clusters that fall off, you know, the uh, the boxes when the <laughs> harvest is happening, right. and then being cellar rats. Okay. So, yes. And, uh, Wait, you been- raised a bunch of cellar rats. <laughs> That's a very wine country thing to be proud of. My kid's a cellar rat. <laughs> it's, yeah. It is, because... Uh, it wasn't, it's it's not anything that we want them to do mm-hmm. because I feel, well, both both um, our family feel that it's very important for our children to find their own paths, That's true. their own okay. passions. Okay. Because we're successful because we are, are doing exactly what we love. All right. Okay. And uh, it, very interesting because... Um, we have three children, and one studied digital arts, which mm-hmm. at the time said, well, where in the early 2000s, digital arts, what? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. What are you going to do? And right. another one, film. Okay. And, and our youngest one is the one that studied some, somewhat what my husband considers someone close. Uh-huh. So communications okay. and business. And then, of course, um, she went on to get her executive MBA. So when we started, no one had a business degree. Well, now we do. Right. And <laughs> and then my uh, uh, brother-in-law Armando's eldest daughter too. Mm-hmm. She studied uh, enology too. Oh, so, great! Okay. So seeing in actually the next generation um, is the mm-hmm. girls that are actually quite interested in in our business, which is they want to be involved in the business. Yes. And, okay. Okay. Which very is very exciting for us because it, it's on their terms, not ours. Because mm-hmm. we did not want them to come into our industry unless it was something that they felt very strongly about Mm. and that they were also highly educated and experienced somewhere else. Right. And, well, I love that they they started by picking up the... uh you know, the hens and <laughs> the chicks off the floor, <laughs> right? And then they did that. And uh, but you often hear that in multi generational wine families that the kids were the you know the unofficial uh, taste testers for the right amount of bricks. You know they start eating the grapes, or they're out there helping their mom and dad. And it's great that you have the next generation as a part of it. Yes, so and now we have a fourth. Oh, really? Well, well, tell me my, more about that. Well, my daughter and my niece, they have. Um, Children. Uh-oh. They're, yes. So, so you're a grandmother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Congratulations. No, it's it's the best. Um, and uh, as well as my niece, Armando's okay. eldest daughter, she has two. So And they're about the same age as uh, Dahlia's. Uh, two, so oh, it's great. Very, okay. So the cousins are like roughly the same age. Yes. Okay. And okay. they and they spend time together. And uh, Aluna, like we allow her to smell okay. wine. And uh, she goes out into the vineyards herself when she's visiting us. Okay. And starts, the, you know, testing grapes. Okay. Well, yeah, you, what you have to do is um, show them how to use the pruning shears. Because, you know, pruning season's <laughs> coming, although you want to keep their fingers. Uh, but, you know, it starts with the pruning. And that's, and that's two years from now is how you get your harvest. So that's, well, it's, it's um, pruning dictates the vintage, um, number one, 
literally the amount of grapes that are going to be, mm. uh, you know, per acre. Right. And so we don't just trust these highly skilled laborers. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to say, any, not for no. the grandkids out there. No, we, no. Don't, we don't just trust anyone off the street either no. because it's highly skilled labor. It, it's funny it's, to watch the professionals. Yes. And how good they are at setting the angle and where the next bud's going to come from. And yes. they're so fast. And to your point, they know if I cut here, the grapes are going to be here in, in 16, you know, 12 months or 10 months, or whatever it is. But how, how well they can see what the, what the cane is going to do. Like I, I, in my backyard, I mangle my grapes all the time. Right? <laughs> I see the professionals and I cannot believe how good they are and how fast they are. And it's really hard to actually do the pruning because it's during winter. Right. And it, the... You know, the vineyard could be uh, part of it underwater. It's muddy. muddy. Yeah. So your feet, because I, um, even after I learned English, mm -hmm. I still elected to work alongside my, my own parents because okay. I wanted to learn everything. Okay. And so I learned how to prune mm. uh, also uh, during Christmas breaks. Right, but right. not because I was expected, it's because I wanted. Okay. You were doing uh, like an internship essentially mm -hmm. for your future business that you well, didn't know you were doing. I was making own. a little bit of money. Oh, there's which that too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and also learning uh, something new that actually is very important. It's a very important viticultural process. It's totally. actually probably the most important. It's funny because I think it, it really is. And I often mm -hmm. tell people, come here in the winter if you really if you're really into wine. Come here in the winter because that's when they're making the vintage. Yes. is in the pruning process. Yes. And, and no one understands it, but you see the rows of the workers, uh, usually on the side of a hill, you see a bunch of little cars. Mm -hmm. And and that's they're setting up success, or hopefully, for, for the next vintage or two, mm -hmm. which which is amazing. But, huh. Well, the, what, what is also um, incredibly important, like right now, because we did have some early, even though not a lot, but some early rainfall, mm -hmm. um, that the the cover crops that we plant mm -hmm. after harvest, they're already coming up in okay. the middle of the rows. Right. So, like, let's say come back. Let's say in. Um, January, February, and early March, you see like like um, these skeletal vines yeah. that either are go are waiting to be pruned or are pruned already, and then this uh, in the middle of the rows, this green lush yeah. uh, faba beans, uh, mustards, le other legumes to bring back nutrients into the soil, right. and all of this like life, right. and so you have sort of the dichotomy like the skeletal vines, and then all of these life that actually brings life to the soil. Um, and we farm all of our vineyards sustainably. We've been okay. doing it since the very first vineyard we developed. Okay. And because it's the right thing to do, not right. for marketing right. reasons. We want to make sure that we protect um, the workers, first and foremost, mm -hmm. that they're mm -hmm. not ex exposed to harmful anything. Mm -hmm. And then also, of course, the soil and the environment. Right, which sets you it's, up for, in the long run, for success. Exactly. And you're yes. really becoming a steward of the land. Exactly. Instead of an extractive Right, and that's it. Is the cover crops? People often ask us why. Why are there flowers between the vines? And sometimes we'll just say, "Oh, you know, the winemaker really likes to see flowers." But you say, "Well, it's actually a, a green manure, or it's it's a, a nitrogen fixer, or it's a way to make sure those vines are healthy." Uh, well, it's it yeah. also like. Um, because I'm five feet tall, so if I stand like in the middle of a vineyard right. when all the cover crops are 
at their peak. Right. They'll be like up to here. <laughs> and they're also the beneficial insects that get mm. rid of all of the right. uh, destructive right. insects. The, the bad so, insects yeah. out there. Yeah. We, so won't, we won't say their name because we won't want them to yeah. show up. Yeah. But the, the integrated pest management, as yes. like they call it, is like you want to create an environment that's mm-hmm. healthy. Yes. And and if you if you, you blah 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 if you use a lot of chemical inputs you might be stripping away the natural protection exactly. that an IPM program might do. Yes, um, I love that you're doing that, but also you're cognizant because you come from a family that worked in the fields that yes. you want to protect your workers, right? Because exactly. that's yes. also your, one of your greatest resources and be respectful of their health and uh, not put a lot of inputs on there that are dangerous. Well, so. and without the workers, there wouldn't be a wine industry, no, nor, food on, nor food on our table. Americans would so. not eat without <laughs> field workers. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I, I, have, um, I think it is very important to recognize the contribution of the farm workers, uh, not just to the wine industry, uh, but also to the, enti- to the entire agriculture. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm just very thankful that I understand it because that's how we started mm-hmm. um, and I understand that it is highly skilled labor not just anyone can do it because you can right. actually ruin an entire vineyard yes if if, yeah. if if workers are not properly trained right you can mm-hmm. totally mess it up right so it's 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 a very wonderful work and somebody where I'm just very grateful that there are people that have those skills to allow us to make these really beautiful bottles of right. wine. That's, that's well put. So it's thanks to the workers. Right. It starts in the fields, right? Mm-hmm. It starts with their own hands. That's, yes. that's well put. Well, Amelia, tell me, if do you have another bottle you want to talk yes. about that one? Okay. Yes. And do you need a place to dump that? Are you yes. Uh, we, have, we have a very unofficial dump bucket right oh, here. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I will put it so, in there. So for people who don't know, if you go to a tasting room, uh, you don't have to drink the entire thing. Uh, and especially if you're visiting more than one tasting room, you can take a, a sip or two and you can share it also with your with your, your companion. But there's also a thing called a dump bucket and sometimes a spit bucket. So you can you can taste it, and you can spit, uh, but or you should do a little taste and then and then dump out the rest. You don't have to slam the glass of wine. Is that correct? Am I uh, that's absolutely yeah. correct. Unless you want to imbibe a little bit more mm-hmm. and and uh, feel the effects, yes. Right. But if you are really interested in actually learning about wine, right. and if you visit more than two wineries, I, I I personally only recommend to visit two wineries per day. Right. One in the morning, then have a really wonderful lunch, oh, and good. one in the afternoon. Okay. Because uh, typically you taste from four up to six, seven wines. Right. Um, so imagine going to like three or four wineries. It's, 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 I mean, you really, by the, the fourth winery, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah. Unless you're doing the thing that like a professional sommelier will do, which is taste and spit or taste and, and, exactly. and dump. Uh, but you're right. Just plan slow, steady. Yes. Have a great lunch. Yes. Know, Especially plans. because there's such amazing places right. uh, to to eat and dine here in right. wine country. I mean, why pass up? Come for the amazing wines that compete with the best in the world, but also for the food. That's because, well put. Thank yes. you. That's exactly it. Yes. And that's as you. I, I can tell that uh, we were talking earlier that. Uh, you're a person who likes to cook and likes food, and oh yes, that's an well I'm actually a chef. What? Get out well. of here! Yes, you were hiding that on me. You're actually a real chef. Like you, you cook stuff. I and yes, I've actually. I started cooking alongside my maternal grandmother in Mexico okay. when I was 
maybe three. Okay. I was helping because I was the youngest grandchild. Got so it. Okay. I hung out with her before I started school. Oh, look at that. Everyone else was either school or working on, okay. on her farm. So guess what? I was introduced to... Uh, Talk about seasonal, mm -hmm. local, the freshest, right. amazing, real ingredients uh, before it was... Before it's trendy. Trendy. Um, <laughs> Back when you that, just called it eating. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I mean, right. actually, I didn't know it was gourmet food. Right. I huh. just, I was just used to eating seasonal and local and from my grandmother's farm. So uh, that's my my passion for cooking right. literally started there and also my understanding of flavors mm -hmm. and textures because I tasted everything that she uh, made and I helped prepare and okay. then I think I when I was seven I made my first molesas under her supervision okay seven. it's pretty cool yeah alright we're gonna and yeah this and then I'll tell you about this let's see oh well done <laughs> yeah. uh, so mole is a typical or, or a very special uh, sauce and dish from Mexico. Is that correct? It's a very sophisticated mm -hmm. uh, sauce, just like there are um, mother sauces in mm -hmm. France. Mm -hmm. Well, in Mexico, we also have mother okay. sauces, okay. and one of them is mole. It's a very sophisticated. It's not the hotter, is better. Mm -hmm. It's it's like layers and layers, mm -hmm. just like fine wine. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are chiles, but they're also nuts. There, right. um, there's sweetness, um, and and it's it's it it can be. A little bit, it can be savory, mm -hmm. and it can also be a little sweet, and it can also have a little heat, okay. but not really hot. And it's just like this velvety, oh my gosh, it's so delicious. <laughs> and it can be served with so many different proteins right. or veggies. Um, but I wanted to actually have perfect segue, because, and once again, see the cork? Oh, right, it's got a it's nice only, purple bottom there, but it's a very small ring. Though. It's in okay. contact with right. the wine. Right. And I really am excited uh, to bring this wine and see once again Petaluma Gap. Petaluma Gap, Seja Vineyards. Seja Vineyards. Vino de Casa. Vino de Casa. This is our 2019, just released 2019 okay. red blend. Okay. And it's a it's um not a very traditional red blend. Okay. Uh, typically, you'd want to blend, um, let's say if it's a Bordeaux blend, it should have a a blend of the five Bordeaux varietals like okay. Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, Petit Bordeaux, or Malbec, which mm -hmm. is, by the way, no longer grown in France, oh. even though it's native to Bordeaux. Okay. Uh, mostly it's, it's grown in Argentina, Argentina of course. Okay. But this, because in, in the U.S. we can blend anything we want. Right, right. And we really love... Pinot Noir, so this is Pinot Noir Merlot Syrah. And Vino de Casa means wine of the house. Okay. Not house wine, wine of the house. A wine that you might want to enjoy with everyone um, while okay. you are chismando, gossiping in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, cooking together. Right, okay. Um, and literally, we've um, lovingly have nicknamed this wine our breakfast, lunch, and dinner wine. Okay. <laughs> You know why? You know why when, okay, when well, I go ahead. Let me pour. Uh, I, I have to make sure it's perfect. Yes, first. thank you. Quality control. It is. Okay. Um. Um, so, because this wine, more than any other wine I've tasted in a very long time, mm -hmm. it actually pairs well with everything. Okay. And the reason why I say breakfast is because, oh, I love menudo. Right. And I also love huevos rancheros, chilaquiles. Okay. And on a late Sunday, brunchy morning... 
I mean, I don't, I don't drink mimosas and right. I don't drink um, Bloody Marys. Right. I'd rather have wine. So on a Sunday morning, lazy Sunday morning okay, with chilaquiles that I absolutely adore, this is your wine. Oh, okay, the vino de casa. Uh, yeah. but, but breakfast, lunch. Lunch, well, you'll see how why it'll pair really well with lunch as okay. well. Because... The, of of the varietal composition of Pinot Noir, Syrah Merlot, this just um, really allows this wine to be so incredibly approachable. Okay. Like, literally, it, it's so easy to enjoy it every day, all day, for no reason. With and food, the same, without the same food. thing, it doesn't have a, that tannic bite, so... You're right. I mean, it has a little bit because you see that in the, in the other reds there, but oh. this is quite good. And I could see the chilaquiles, which I love, which are like a tortilla strips that are fried and then they have just different stuff on top of them, right? Yes, Cheese and, they're served with a really delicious uh, tomatillo salsa oh, or, a, or a red salsa. And okay. then you can top them up with uh, two per- perfectly, perfectly poached eggs, some Ooh. queso cotija and additional oh, salsa. And then, of course, with a glass of cejavino. Well, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Have you, I don't, it might be a regional dish. Have you heard of a dish called huevos divorciados? Which is the chilaquiles in the middle and the green and the red. Yes. So delicious. I love this. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's two sauces. One is tangier than the other. Mm. And um, I, oh, I love them. Well, this is ideal for both. Mm. But but if you can enjoy, you can also enjoy this with a with um like I just made this amazing banana uh chocolate chip but, but with cocoa um like a bread or like yeah, a cookie bread, a bread. Oh, okay and oh my gosh and then I whipped some fresh whipped cream of course just with a tiny bit of uh, a few drops of vanilla okay I I had I known that you were this much of an accomplished chef I would have been like also bring a bunch of food oh my gosh I still <laughs> yeah. remember I, I I have to tell you this brief story mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this is when we first launched our brand there's this really amazing talk show host Gene Burns mm-hmm. dining around with Gene Burns show out mm-hmm. of uh, uh, San Francisco and I had met him, and he invited me uh, to be interviewed an entire hour because okay. it was only on Saturdays, right? And and it was like a two-hour show, and he he was only going to interview me for an entire hour. So this is probably like circa like 2003, okay. like a couple of years after we launched our brand because we launched our brand in 2001. Oh, okay, so you're the new. The worst time to launch it because of yeah. And guess when we launched it in September? Oh, September. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I so so I I I said Pedro, you have to come with me, my husband. Mm-hmm. And so I made, let's see, I was going to be the first hour okay. uh, guest. And so I made, let's see, I made a salmon ceviche because I really wanted okay. to showcase our Pinot Noir because okay. salmon and Pinot Noir are so they're perfect. fantastic. They're yes, both from this area, they're very good. Yeah. Oh yes, and then I made uh, enchiladas suizas. Okay. And uh, and unfortunately, it, it it was an interesting day because I wanted them to be warm. Oh, but you but had to make them ahead of time, didn't you? Yes, and bring well, them into I, San Francisco. I got up really early. Oh yeah. I think I was the first guest, so I think I might have been there at ten. Okay. Because I think it was from ten to twelve. I don't right. remember exactly right, right. the details. So I know I got up really really early. Um, but they were still warm, and I wanted, mm. of course, to pair them with the Chardonnay. So we tasted the Chardonnay. Oh, and then I brought, and then I brought a similar bread that had um, 
like cocoa and and chocolate chips, but they're you know bittersweet, right, not right. the sweet, nothing sweet. Right. Just just a maybe a hint of sweetness to pair with cabernet. Because I remember I brought three wines and I brought three different um, foods to pair okay. with each one of them. Oh my God, she almost started crying <laughs> because she said, you know, in my all of my years of interviewing vintners, no one had brought any food. Right to pair with to that, pair with that was a wine. smart idea. Yeah. Oh okay. my God, it was I guess. It was one of the most listened to. I'll have to go back and like get There's, that one. I bet you it's somewhere on an archive I mean, on the internet somewhere. Yes. But that was. But isn't this fun? This, this is, is great. Just such so this is yeah, the vino de casa. Vino de casa is just. And what do you call the vino de chismosas? No, chismosas. What do you call it? Vino de... No, I said you can that you can enjoy while preparing a meal with all of like multi generational family right. while you're chismando. Chismando. Gossiping. Sorry. <laughs> What's chismosa? Gossip. Chismosa is someone who is. Um, very gossipy. Oh, gossipy. Okay, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Chismando is to be gossipy. Gossip. And what's a charla is just a chat. What we're doing yeah, charlar is we're just okay. chatting. So yes. we're, we're, char- we're charlandos. Yes. Okay, so. But this is just, because oh, I only, it's just yummy. And as you are this allowing is very good. To, to just keep it open, because we okay. just popped it open, it literally does, you can um, then expect to uh, detect other aromas and So flavors. when you say open, just so people don't know, that means you let it rest, you let the air interact, with it. Yes. Um, sometimes people, when they talk about decanting a wine, exactly. it helps it open it. You pour it into another container. Exactly. Okay. So, or just put in your glass or keep the bottle open so that yes. it breathes. What I do, uh, what we typically do, like depending upon the guests we have for dinner, mm-hmm. um, we typically open the wines like half an hour we, mm. before we sit down to dinner mm-hmm. and then they're they're perfect i mean it's 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 a good idea to decant wines that might be more than 10 years mm. uh, just in case there might be some residual you mm. know on the bottom of the bottle uh, plus also you want to oxy- oxygenate them faster okay but just for let's say anything within 10 years i mean just Open it like a half hour before. Pop and the cork and leave golden. it there, and you're good. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then also allows it to kind of come to temperature sometimes if it's been colder or, you know, to, to, to get ready for it. Well, I feel that typically most white wines are served to cold mm-hmm. and most red wines are served to warm. We, yeah. <laughs> we serve them. I like, um, I grab this. Mm-hmm. from our cellar, which is temperature control and uh, both. So it's set at about, uh, I think it was 61 degrees. Okay. So I grabbed them at six. They're both at that temperature. Now, of course, they've increased uh, maybe a couple of degrees, right. but they're, the whites will be the same. Got and it. it's it's only, you only want to chill white wine if you don't want to smell it or taste it. <laughs> but if you really want to enjoy, like a Chardonnay that we made that is not mallow, uh-huh. that is that the viscosity, the mouthfeel is just so, oh my God, it's my favorite Chardonnay on the planet. Uh-huh. Um, then you definitely do not want to serve it over, you know, under 62 degrees. Right. And that's, I think 62 is ideal. I think you're right. I think a lot of people chill wines, usually they're less quality or like they. they <laughs> It's sort of like McDonald's. They eat it fast, <laughs> so you don't have to taste it. I think sometimes if if a, if a wine is too cold, you're not allowing those uh, what they call them, the esters or whatever the, the taste yes. interactions to happen. Uh, and in which case, it's like you're just shooting vodka. So what what are you doing <laughs> here, people? Um, Amelia, if if just people want to go visit the vineyard, can you tell me where it's located again, and then what the website is if they want to get yes. more information? Uh, so. 
Uh, we invite you to visit us, and Sarah Vineyards is located at 22989 Burndale Road here mm-hmm. in Sonoma, mm-hmm. but it's right on the corner of Highway 12. <laughs> right. Uh, which is a main artery. So you're between that Napa and Sonoma, Napa you're right there. Sonoma. It's like you can, yeah. the, the best thing about going to Seha, um, you, you have your choices, right? You want to go to Napa, you're there. You want to go to Sonoma, you're there. Yes. You go to both. You're right there in the middle at, at Seha, so yes. it's it's not like you have to trek far. Oftentimes, yes. if you're visiting Napa, Seha is right there. If you're visiting Sonoma, Seha is also right there. It's ideal, like if you want, if you're driving from on 101 or 80, mm-hmm. it's really fun because you're be you're on 12. <laughs> right. I mean, you don't have to like wait for hours to go all the way, whether you know Hillsburg or right. go to Calistoga. Right. I mean, we're so close. You're just it's, a little bit off the road, and you're yeah. right there. And for people who I know, because they're listening to this, Seha is spelled um, C-E-J-A. And so is your is your um, website sejavineyards.com? Yes, and our website is sejavineyards.com. Okay. And seja, which is our last name, it actually means eyebrow, but only one eyebrow. <laughs> seja means eyebrow. For real? C-E-J-A. It means eyebrow? Yes. The last name in Spanish means eyebrow. Well, remember that last names were not really uh, used for until, what, like right. nine Hundred, right? Uh, because uh, people had uh, names, right? Uh, but like, if you had bushy eyebrow, yeah. then you'd probably say, "Oh, oh. Uh, Daniel con la ceja," si. or something like that. Manny, so Manny eyebrow. Oh, yeah, there's Manuel yeah, the eyebrow guy. Yeah. But uh, we also on our website. Not only are you able to purchase our wines and mm-hmm. see, you know, schedule a visit, but you can also get awesome recipes because uh, okay. uh, we also have a YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, but we have. Oh, Oh my gosh, countless recipes okay. with videos and, of course, um, very well written on our website. And I think we have some of your recipes on our website because you're, you're, you're quite good at responding to, yes. to those questions, which is great because people don't people get intimidated when they're talking wine. Like, oh, what should I cook with it? And I love that wineries take the initiative to say, here's something that's easy to make. It's great to go with our wines. And I think it puts people at ease when they're entertaining. But, and most importantly, we really encourage Everyone who loves to cook, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, I mean, it's a no-brainer that one pairs well with Mediterranean cuisine, right. you know, French, Spanish, Italian. But how about all the other food that we love, like mm. Mexican, right. Asian, right. Latin American? Well, guess what? There's room at the table for <laughs> wine, regardless of what the menu is. Right. But there is a caveat, as long as it's balanced. Because like mm. wh- earlier when I was speaking about these really robust, right. over-extracted wines, well, those wines don't really pair well with anything. Right. Oh, but, but please drink them if that's what you love, because okay. you should only please your palate. I like that. I mean, um, I prefer the wines that, with, that have acid, because mm. then it allows me to prepare food with some heat, because mm-hmm. I, I I love Mexican cuisine, right. and actually my favorite fusion cuisine is Mex-Asian, Mexican and Asian. Okay, okay. It's fantastic. As once I, I was introduced to Asian cuisine, I fell in love again with Asian, Asian <laughs> I, cuisine. See, I feel like I could do an entire different podcast about food with you, and I think I'm going to. Yes, That's, oh, we could be, do a way to do it. Yes. Um, but I'd say you can't leave yet because you, you know, I hope you know, that as part of the podcast, you're going to help me answer questions. Yes. So, um, but well, if people don't listen any further, say hotvineyards.com. But uh, Amelia. First of all, Amelia, I got to make pronounce your name correctly. I apologize. Uh, you know 
that we have two visitor centers, one here at the Plaza in Sonoma, one at Jacuzzi Winery, close on the way to say hi. Very close. Um, and we get all sorts of questions. People ask us sorts of stuff. So I do for the end of every podcast, my guest has to pretend they're working in the visitor center and answer some questions. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. We call this We, we get, get, get Questions. questions. First of all, this question came, can I use Uber or Lyft to go between wineries in Sonoma Valley or Napa Valley? Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. It's actually, we encourage that. Right. Many of, uh, many of our guests, actually a very large percentage of our guests that come to our taste room mm-hmm. uh, come via uh, Uber, Uber or Lyft. Lyft. Oh, they do? Great. Yes. Okay. And I, I think absolutely, especially, and you're a great example. Uh, in the Carneros area, it's very easy to get an Uber or Lyft in a Napa. Yes. The one caution I do say is when you get further up where the cell phone doesn't work, so sometimes in the mountains your cell phone won't work, don't rely on it, um, ask the tasting room for help, or prearrange it. So if you're going to be up on like Moon Mountain, or up on like Howell Mountain, or something like that, you might have to make sure your phone works to to call it, but you're right, Uber and Lyft is a good option, um, especially if you don't, if you're only doing two wineries like you said, and you don't want to rent an entire tour for the for, for the whole the, day, for, it just helps you go from place to place. Right? Yes, so. and in between, you know, stop at. I, I mean, I I love uh, coming to the plaza here in Sonoma, right. and there are so many great places to dine. Right, right, like, yeah. I can just spend an entire week. Yeah, I just walk around my way and, through downtown. Well, and Sonoma. you're a chef. We have the original Williams Sonoma here. Yes. Uh, so if you absolutely need to buy something you didn't know you needed. <laughs> Because <laughs> every time I walk in there, I'm like, I think I need that pan. Right? I, it's scary because I, I go f- for one thing yeah. and I live with about 10. Oh, I know. And you're like, what just happened? Well, I've got a bunch of uh, pomegranates now. And I and I, I know there's a way. And I'm like, I bet you there's a way. If I go to Williams Sonoma, they'll tell me how to get those seeds and juice them because I have so many pomegranates. Uh, oh, I love pomegranates. They're, they're so good. And this is the ideal location to grow pomegranates. It is? The good yeah. Mediterranean and stuff there? Yes. Uh, okay, here's another question we got. It came in on Facebook from a man named Rosario. Man, woman, Rosario. Um, uh, the question was, what if I don't drink wine? Are there things to do? Oh, yes. Okay, oh my what gosh. are they? Well, number one, yes. um, if you're a foodie, mm-hmm. uh, there's such a plethora of restaurants. Um, hmm. and, and Sonoma is much five times larger than Napa. So mm-hmm. you have uh, all of these little pockets uh, areas, I mean, from Hillsburg, Cloverdale, to Santa Rosa, right. uh, Petaluma, right. um, it's Occidental and Sonoma. Oh, good job on Occidental. <laughs> Not many people go out there. That's a great one. Yeah. Oh, I actually really like going there. Yeah, it's a cute little and town. It's, yeah, and, and it's such a beautiful ride there. Right, right. So, but um, there, and, and hiking. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Going to the coast for hikes. I mean, going even just literally, I just spent an entire week literally just going looking for cheese in Sonoma. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you. I mean, hiking. Right. Um, Jack London Park, which Good is one. oh my god, just down. Right, down, right. It's one of my right. favorite places to hike. Okay. And you can bring a picnic. Oh my gosh! And then there are music festivals in the summer. <laughs> I mean, there literally there's so much to do. Just uh, literally uh, to go online uh, and look up our events. I right. mean, and and see. I mean, there's a lot to do, not just about wine. Well. Number one, aesthetically, the beauty, the topography, the coast, I mean, it's so stunningly beautiful. Uh, I strongly recommend just coming, Not even if you don't 
drink wine, right. come for the beauty, for the food, for the highs, for nature. I lo- at Rosario, you got all the answers right there. So I'll, I'll put that back on Facebook. So that's, that, was, that was a good answer. Good job. Uh, okay, here's one. I would like to buy locally made crafts. Where can I find a place? Oh, you know what I love? Mm. I uh, actually, and this summer we spent a lot of, uh, almost every Tuesday we came to to um, the plaza here in Sonoma mm-hmm. together with friends. And there are some, not only fruits and veggies, but also, and really awesome food trucks, and right. but lots of other uh, stuff. Right. Um, but there are, there are uh, like if you're traveling on the coast, mm-hmm. uh, there are so many, all of these like really neat little um, local shops mm-hmm. with ceramics. Right. Uh, but there are also a lot of art studios. A lot of art studios. A lot of art studios. Um, and and on the, at the farmer's markets, mm-hmm. I mean, you can find also a lot of local crafts. You're right. We just had, so Fridays here in town, we have the year-round market. Yes, And they have, which the I craft love. lady was there selling a lot of uh, Christmas and holiday stuff. Yes. Tuesday night market that you mentioned before, which is a big party. Oh, uh, I love it. It's so That's much fun. I know, people bring their wine, they bring their picnic. Uh, a lot of craft people are selling stuff there. Yes. But you even mentioned the art studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a group called Art Trails, and yes. they have open studios or studios you can stop in. Uh, almost every little town has a bunch of studios that you can go check out. Uh, one weird spot, not a weird spot, but we have a place here called the Sonoma Community Center, and it's an old elementary school that has become an art studio and learning place, and they do sell some crafts there, too. But, I mean, you walk around the plaza, it's, a- there's a lot of places. Yeah, so uh, the, the person asking this, just walk around. Oh, yes. <laughs> more places. Regardless of where, where where you go, which little hamlet you go in Sonoma mm-hmm. County, there's uh, stuff to, right. local stuff to see, uh, arts and crafts, and to, to buy and bring back to your own uh, home. I love it. So, okay, here's the final question. And so far, you've passed them all. You're doing a good job. Um, we are going to a preview movie for the Sonoma Film Festival at the Sebastiani Theater. So the film festival happens in the spring, but they're releasing some little previews for people. And the Sebastiani Theater is right there on the plaza, right there on the plaza. Their question is, we need to find a hotel nearby. Oh my God, El Dorado. <laughs> oh, see, okay, you're right, directly on the opposite <laughs> side. But but then, I, oh, but I do love the Sonoma Mission News. Okay, great, and I love that's also Cat nearby. Meadows, um, um, right on... On Napa Street, mm-hmm. and and also, um, oh gosh, and You're right good. now my, but the, the El Dorado is just it's right there, right there. It's easy to go to. Easy so you right, go. El Dorado's on the plaza. Uh, there's also a very small inn called the Wetson Hotel right oh, yes. next, yes. right next to it. Um, there's a bunch of an inn to remember, and all these like smaller spots. The MacArthur, the Lodge. MacArthur, They're yeah. all those are all within a 10 minute walk, 15 minute walk. I mean, the Ledson's within a five foot walk. Literally five. Foot <laughs> yeah. it's, it's adjacent to the theater, right. and you're right, the El Dorado. Uh, that's probably a one-minute walk. One so walk, it's yeah. that's great. Yeah, these are all good spots to, to go check out. So, uh, Amelia, you're hired. You are ready for the visitor center. If you if you ever get sick of uh, you know running the winery, uh, being the grandmother, uh, being a chef, uh, being a passionate uh, diplomat and advocate for Sonoma and Napa, which which I appreciate. Um, it's been wonderful having you here. So, so thanks for coming on. Um, if people have uh, one more time, what's the website they should go to to get more information about? Uh, please go to 
Seja, C-E-J-A, Vineyards, with an S at the end, plural, SejaVineyards.com. Okay. And just peruse. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of tabs, but definitely check our story. It's pretty cool. Actually, our bios are up there. Okay. And, of course, the recipes and food and wine pairing suggestions. And it's actually a really cool website. It's, I think it is, too, because I've been on it. And uh, cool. people can also sign up when you go to visit to the wine club. Oh, and and also subscribe to receive our newsletter. For example, we just sent a newsletter. Oh my God! And the response was so overwhelming that it completely sold out. Because cool. I um I will be hosting uh, Nama Waterways uh, cruise on the Douro from Portugal flavors of Portugal and Spain. Okay. Uh, April twenty twenty five, and we just sent we sent a monthly newsletter. Right. Right. The the response was so overwhelming overwhelming that because we only are allowed so many cabins that literally like that it's, sold it's out. gone wait a minute within like minutes okay so we've got uh mom grandmother literature major chef history wine major. person history major we've literature got a, a early agricultural worker now cruise director well, oh my gosh! Cruise host. Cruise, cruise I, host. I, I was. I guess I received um, the the best reviews as a wine host on Ama Waterways. So I'm invited anytime I want. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here first on the Sonoma Spiel. Go to sehavineyards.com. Amelia, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure. Gracias. Sí, por supuesto. And uh, mom and dad, if you're listening, hope you're doing well. Everybody, remember to like, comment, subscribe. Just as soon as you subscribe to the Seha Vineyards email newsletter, then subscribe to this podcast. Have a good week, everybody.